kids can be dismissed at this time to Children's Church. Luke chapter 7, for those that are remaining here. Luke chapter 7, start in verse 11. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. We certainly want to con- As we pray as you're turning there, we certainly want to continue to remember our world, all that's going on. I don't not giving you a message this morning on Ukraine and, and Russia, but we know that there's a war going on over there, a war led by a dictator that is just thirsty for power and influence, and there's a whole lot of innocent people that really don't want to be fighting and don't want to be doing all that, a whole lot of Christian people over there who are praying and believing, and so we want to remember uh, those that are in the Ukraine and those that are in Russia as well, because there's a whole lot of Russian people that um, their their leader is not doing what they want, and so we want to pray for them this morning when we pray. The book of Luke chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 11 this morning. I'm reading uh, from the NIV here today. Luke chapter 7 and verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him as he approached the town gate. A dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, and evil spirits, gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, a great man who had doubts. Would you pray with me, Father? 
thank you so much for today. Thank you for this opportunity to be here in your house. Thank you for the worship, the praise, the giving that has gone on all in worship to you. And now, Lord, we come to this place where we pull ourselves up to your table, Lord, to partake of the bread of life. Lord, I ask that you would just help me. Lord, anoint me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary. I ask for your anointing to be on me, O God. Let me preach like a man from another world. Let your word be like fire shut up in my bones. And Father, I pray for every person under the sound of my voice, God, both here in person and those listening by podcast, that you'd open their hearts, minds, and spirits, Lord, that the word would fall on good ground and bring forth a multiplied harvest. God, we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, and everybody in the house said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated here this morning. A great man who had doubts. See, we find something very interesting. I think probably most of you know as we've read this, you've seen who we are centering this around. We're centering around one of the more famous people in the New Testament, John the Baptist. We find that at this time in his life, in case you don't know, at this point in his life, John the Baptist is in prison. He's not in prison because he shot a man. He's not in prison because he robbed the liquor store. He's not in prison because he evaded his taxes. John is in prison because he stood up to the wicked king and told him that the relationships that he was having was not right. And because of that, Herod had thrown him into prison. And so John, at this point in his life, is in prison. And we find that John has a great concern on his life. Now, we know that John was cousins with Jesus. We know that John and Jesus, they weren't strangers to one another. In fact, we find that when they were both in the womb, that their mothers had come together and talked. And in fact, John had leaped in the womb of Elizabeth, his mother, at the news that the Messiah, Jesus, was going to be born. And so John was not a stranger to Jesus. John was not a stranger to the story of how he had come to earth. But yet we find a great man, a called man, a man that Jesus himself even says John himself was prophesied about. This great man who had received such evidence. I mean, John was the one who had baptized him in water, wasn't it? It was John. Jesus went down to the Jordan River and and said, John, you've got to baptize me. What happened? He baptized him. And as Jesus came up out of the water, the Bible tells us that there we see the Trinity uh, in, in one of those moments where God reveals himself as that triune God. The Father spoke from heaven. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove as Jesus emerged from the water and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So here we are looking at this man, John, that had seen all this. He baptized Jesus, witnessed all this. All of this was going on. But I've got to remind you here this morning that even John was only human and the Bible makes no excuse for his human frailty and his failure. You see, I need to remind us today that doubts are not sin because they come to all of us. 
No matter how great we may be, no matter how long we've been raised in this thing, no matter what we've witnessed, no matter the miracles, I've just gone through it. I mean, he has been there from the start with Jesus, baptized him, seen these miracles. All this stuff is going on. But yet even this great man, in fact, who Jesus Christ himself, we read it there, said there's nobody born a woman any greater than John. But yet this man named John had doubts. Now, I think it's pretty safe to say, and I don't usually do this to embarrass anybody, but I'll be the first to raise my hand. But how many of you would say, I've had doubts before? Come on, somebody. I've had doubts before. You see, doubts come to all of us. And our reaction to doubts is what decides what they do to us. I just need to let you know, no matter how faith-filled that you are, no matter how much faith that you think you have, no matter how much learning you've got, no matter how much experience you have, I'm telling you today, I don't mean to be a prophet of doom and gloom, but I mean to be somebody that's going to tell you the truth. I'm going to stand up here as your pastor and tell you that if you've not ever had it, you will have a time where doubts are going to come at you. You're going to doubt stuff. You're going to doubt your relationship in Christ. You're going to doubt whether, and I know this seems, you say, oh, God, I can't believe the pastor's going to say this. There will even probably come a time in your life where you stop and you say, I even wonder if God is real. I know that's a little much for some of y'all, but I'm just going to be real with you. I'm going to be real with you and say that the pastor has even had those moments where I have questioned and said, oh, God, are you even real? Am I wasting my life? Am I spinning my wheels in what's going on here in my life? I want to look at a few things this morning before I let you go. First of all, I want to look at possible causes for John's doubt. I know some of you take notes, and even if you don't, sometimes as me as a preacher, I do it because I'm also a listener at times, and it helps me. So the first thing I look at is the possible causes of John's doubt. If somebody will pull the house lights up for me a little bit. I don't want anybody to go to sleep on me here today. Possible causes of John's doubt. Number one, we find that he had a limited knowledge of Christ. Now, this was true with John as it was with many, there we go, of the Old Testament prophets. Some of y'all were looking too comfortable there for a second. You see, they only had a limited amount of Scripture. We know, of course, that they had the Torah. We know that they had the, the Psalms. We know that they had the prophets. But, you know, they did not have the New Testament. They had not had who we're talking about here today, Jesus, the Word that had become flesh. Man, some of y'all are rubbing y'all's eyes. It was too dark. I'm glad I got them to turn it up. They didn't have these things, and, and as many of the Jews did, I have to feel like that John probably even had an expectation for the Messiah, the Yeshua, to come and set up a kingdom on this earth. We know it's coming, don't we? Listen, I believe it, folks. That's where my hope is. I believe one day. I don't know what Vladimir Putin's going to end up doing. I don't know what, what, uh, what anybody is going to. I don't know what the, this world is going to turn out in the immediate, what moves are going to be made. I don't know what Joe Biden's going to do this week. I don't know. I hear they're sending Kamala Harris over there. I don't know what's going to happen in all that. But one thing I do know from this book, that there is coming a day where King Jesus is going to come back on the clouds of glory 
glory, riding on a white horse, and he's going to set up his kingdom for what we call the millennium re- millennial reign, 1,000 years, that the Prince of Peace will reign from Jerusalem as the king. We know, of course, where we're at now, that that's coming now. But John, as many other Jews at that time, kind of questioned, well, is that supposed to come then? But Jesus came the first time. He came meek. He came lowly. He came born in a manger. He came riding on a donkey. He was meek and lowly. And no doubt, he had some thoughts in his mind that maybe that, that, the, that the king was supposed to come and the kingdom was supposed to be set up on earth. And the Roman Empire should have been throw, overthrown by this point. You see, to know him, we must walk with him like close friends. I know I told you that John, more than most, had a knowledge of Christ, but his was still limited. Can I tell you what we have today that John did not have and that we are so blessed with? We have this right here. In the book of John chapter 1, we find in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was was God, and the Word was with God. We know that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have right here the revelation of God that those at that time did not. And listen, don't misunderstand me here. We certainly can't know it all, but we know a whole lot more than they even did in the Old Testament. We can't know everything. We don't understand it all. How many of you know God's ways are higher than our ways? His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I don't understand everything that God does. I'm not going to try to act like it. But listen, I've got a pretty good idea of how I can know his character, how I can know what he wants, and it is in this book right here. I know Eric, and we do, as he mentioned at the beginning, there are times that I wish, oh God, would you just send me a text, send me an email, give me a specific reference. Right here, but many times God does not do that. He relies on me getting myself in this book right here to know about Him and His ways and His characters, and it's through that that we know Him. He had a limited knowledge of Christ. What else could have possibly caused John's doubts? Well, I can't think that confinement and prison and loneliness and not even being able to work for God could do anything but discourage him. John was at this place, I told you, he's in prison. He's in prison for, for standing up for what is right. He was lonely. He wasn't able to baptize. He wasn't able to preach. John was a wild man. John was that man out in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey, wearing them camel skin. John was not, he was not the, the three-piece suit preacher. He was not the one in the temple or the tabernacle or he was not the one that was up at the synagogue. No, John was that wild man out in the wilderness saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was the one out there, make way for the Lord. The king is coming. John was that wild man out in the wilderness and now that wild man had been locked up in a cage, a cage of prison. And now, after being so free and unhindered in his work for the Lord, now he was locked up, lonely, unable to work for him. You know, there's an old saying that people used to say that idleness is the devil's workshop. You listen to your pastor this morning. I have found, I have found it, that when we stop working and stop doing for God, it is never a good thing. 
You listen to me. I, I, it was mentioned this morning, and I'm not trying to act like I'm an expert, but listen, we've been doing this for almost 20 years. And I can tell you, when I first started pastoring, folks would say, you know what, pastor, I'm just, I just need to step back. I just need to stop working. I'm just kind of tired right now. I need to just step out of this. I, just, I, need, I need to do this. I need a little break. I need a little. You know what? 99 times out of 100 happens, not good stuff. I've heard that speech over and over. Pastor, I just need to take a break. I just need to get out of it. You know what happened? Most of the time, it is not good what happens. Most of the time when people stop working for the night, I'm not saying you're not going to transition. I'm not going to say that God's not going to lead you into a different avenue or a different area. But when you just completely stop working for God, I can tell you as a pastor with experience, it is never anything good that happens. Because once you free up all that time and suddenly you find that God just does not have the place, there's a void there in your life. And if you are not busy doing something for the Lord, then something is going to fill that space in your life. Something's going to listen. Listen, every void is going to be filled with something. I don't want to get too deep right here, and this is not really where I plan to go this morning, but you read about it. You read when Jesus talks about when devils were cast out of people, and it leaves a void in their life. He said, if you just leave that house cleaned and empty, what's going to happen? He's going to come back, and he's going to bring more with him. That's why we've got to make sure that we are filled with the Spirit of God. That is why Paul said, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. We need to be filled with God's presence and power. And we've all got something we can be doing. What else? Confinement in prison, loneliness. Also, I believe depression as a result of confinement and discouragement. The gloom of the dungeon, I believe, stifled his faith and clouded his vision of Christ. I can tell you this, I've learned. I never want to get to the place where I think I can't learn anymore. And I can tell you this, I have learned something since beginning to preach at 16 years old. I mean, Lord, as a 16-year-old, what in the world you got to be depressed about? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, I used to think, well, what in the world? Who's depressed? How how can you be depressed? That's just, oh, that's just the devil. There's no such thing as that. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Who could be depressed? What do you got to be? Listen, but I have come to find, listen, depression and anxiety is a real thing. It's a real thing. And I know that, listen, I have never personally experienced it on, on, on much of a level at all, but I have been around enough people and I have seen enough situations where this thing is real. Depression is real. Anxiety is real. It is an attack that the enemy likes to bring against people. And as John was there in this prison, listen, this was not the Ritz-Carlton. This was not a nice place to be. It was a nasty place. And here his faith was clouded. And depression, I believe, began to get a hold of him. These doubts were caused by this. There could be more, but that's just what I believe. So we look second of all. What what did John do? I believe, secondly, John took a wise action in the time of doubt. 
You see, there's several things that you could do, but I believe that John shows us, even in the time of doubt, even in the time of discouragement, even in the time of depression, he did what we need to do, and he took his doubts directly to Jesus. Many people today do the opposite. They stay out of church. They avoid the members. They avoid the pastor. They get down and they're like, I just say, I don't even want to talk. I don't even want to go to church. I don't even want to. Listen, church is where you need to be when you're down. The people of God are the people you need to be around when things aren't going well for you. You need to come to Jesus. He confessed his doubts, frankly, to Christ. I mean, remember, this is Cousin John and Cousin Jesus. There was no, listen, there was no hiding this here. And so we find that John was open. Take some time. Here recently, I read the book of Job. And it's, honestly, it can be a bit depressing. <laughs> For real. I mean, you know, we, especially as preachers, we like to hit the high spots. You know, we like to say, oh, Job, he, you know, the devil came at him. First, you know, devil, God said devil would take us. Take his family, you can take his stuff, but you can't touch him. Then you can't, then you can touch him, but you just can't take his life. And then we like to say, oh, but bless God in the end, Job got double for his trouble. And it's true. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all true and it's all good. But listen, there are a whole lot of chapters and a whole lot of verses in between there. And you know what I have found, and I'm finding out more and more, that sometimes as preachers, I'll preach to me, we do a disservice to people because we are living in that in-between. Y'all, y'all, y'all hear me today. We're living in that in-between so much longer than we're living in the beginning and the end. We're in that in-between. And when you read the book of Job, I encourage you to do it. He was so open with his questions and his doubts to the Lord. I mean, Job didn't hold nothing back. He just gave it all. He laid it out there. But you know what I believe? I believe that that is the first step to victory. John had doubts. John had questions. But instead of just holding it all in, he got to his, to his disciples and he said, I'm sending you to Jesus. Let's not beat around the bush here. Ask him, are you the one that's supposed to come? In other words, he's asking, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the one that I've been going around preaching about? It are you really this one? Or do I need to start looking for somebody else? Because I got a feeling my life's about to run out here. And we know it was. His head was going to be on a silver platter before long, John's was. And so he is very open and very honest. I need to tell you something this morning. I need you to hear me. Please do not be afraid to be open and honest with the Lord in your prayers. I don't know where a lot of people came along and tried to act like you've got to put up some kind of fakery with God. Listen, you can't fake God out anyway. God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart. God knows the doubt that you're facing. God knows all of it. And what God wants you to do is God is asking for you to come open and humble and honest before Him. If you've got doubts, please go to God with it. If you've got questions, Please go to God with it. Don't hold it in. God is inviting you in prayer. Prayer is not something for you to just try to act like you've got all this faith and everything else. Prayer is supposed to be an open dialogue between you and the Lord. 
And when you've got doubts, I want to encourage you to go to the Lord with honesty. Now, here's a good place right here. We find then that John, he sends the question through his disciple. He, he was looking for an answer here, and Christ gave him an answer. Could you give me a little more volume, please, before I kill my voice before tonight? Verse 22. Verse 22 of chapter 7 here. says this. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man that does not fall away on account of me. So, so we find this. Jesus then gives him a fulfillment. John the Baptist, his disciples, they're, they, they, they've stumbled. They were perplexed because of the great, the gentleness and quietness of Christ in his ministry. Because again, they were looking for that Messiah that was going to come as Israel's Savior and overthrow the Roman government. But they were not used to this gentleness, this quietness, this meekness. And so they're like, is this truly Christ? And so Christ is like, look, watch, look at these things. At that very time, they, they ask him the question, and it appears to me, in this verse, that Jesus at first never even says a word. Jesus does what? Instead of talking, he just starts doing. Oh, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sickness, evil spirit, gave sight to many that were blind. He had already, as we read already, I wanted you to read that and see that, he had already interrupted a funeral procession, didn't he? He had already found a little widow woman that all she had was that one son who was dead. The Bible was clear about that. That's all she had. And so then he stops his funeral procession, lays his hands on the coffin. My Lord. Man, what a day that would be if we could get back to that, wouldn't it? Man, what an awesome thing that would be. Boy, you got to really have some holy boldness there, don't you? you got to know you got the goods if you're actually going to stop up in the middle of a funeral procession and say, y'all hold up and touch that coffin and say, come on, boy, and get up. That's right. Jesus did it. He raises folks alive. He does this. So Jesus' answer then was not just in words, but Jesus then began to demonstrate what he was there to do. And to answer John's question, Jesus simply said, go and tell them what you saw. Isn't that it? He just said, hey, go report to John what you've seen and heard. Blind receive sight, lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, deaf ear, dead are raised. Good news is preached to the poor. He says, go and just tell them. Tell them what you've seen. Go let him know what has happened here. What he does is the best answer to who he is. You know, we used to sing that song, because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. You know, I believe that we must know when we realize the character of God, who he is is the best answer that there is. There's a warning he gives. Blessed is he, whoever shall not be offended in me. And I believe the King James Version says, who shall not fall away because of me in verse 6 there. To be offended means resentful or annoyed. Or to doubt him. You ready for this? Because of our 
circumstances. And you know what circumstances always are? Temporary. It's always temporary. Circumstances are always temporary. Aren't you glad for seasons? Here we are. We've been talking about it already. This is several people have mentioned it, including me. I'm thankful for a beautiful, sunshiny spring. We're entering into the springtime. There's a changing of seasons. I just need you to hear me. Remember, everything always changes except for God. He's the only thing that stays the same. Everything else changes. Listen, your looks change. So I know for me, sometimes, most of the time, I get uglier. Sometimes I do get a little better looking. I lose a little bit of weight, you know, get a little sun on my skin, you know. But we're always changing. Come on. We know that. Most of us are Bulldog fans. My Lord, we ought to know. We're winning one minute, we're losing the next. Come on. One minute we're the national champs, the next minute we're getting beat by, by nobody teams. Come on, the circumstances are always changing. And Jesus said, don't be offended, don't get annoyed, don't get resentful, don't doubt me because of your circumstances, and your circumstances are always temporary. But some get offended because of adverse circumstances that come to them. Some get offended and disappointed and give up on God because of disappointment in prayers or hopes. Some get offended at God because of real or imagined mistreatment at the hands of others. Some get offended at God because of inconsistencies they see in other saints. The victory over doubts is found in complete faith and trust in God. You see, we cannot let these things cause us to become offended at God. You know what Jesus is saying? He's talking to his cousin. He's talking to a great man. He's talking to a man, a great man that had doubts, that's doubting everything right now. And he's saying, look, I want you to see what's going on. And blessed is the person that does not give up because stuff ain't going right for you at the moment. Oh, that's good preaching. I'm preaching way better than y'all are amen in this morning. I'm telling you that. I mean, how is it? How is it that folks are over there right now in the Ukraine praising God and giving glory to God when Putin is raining down bombs on their country? They're praising God. They're still worshiping. They're still thanking God. Why? Because they're not letting their circumstances dictate their praise and how they feel about God. Listen, don't you let a bad doctor's report, don't you let a bad day, don't you let a pink slip, don't you let a rejection letter, don't you let a bad week or even a bad marriage or something like that that calls you to become offended at God. Amen. Don't you let a bad Sunday school teacher, don't you let a bad fellow church member, don't you let a bad pastor cause you to get mad and offended at God. Mm, I better stop for a second. The victory over doubts is found in complete faith and trust in God. Those that do not become offended, are you ready? You want to know how to not do it? Are greatly blessed with real victory. You see, it's not just a temporary victory. It's knowing I got, I've got the victory. I know what this book says. I know that it says that, that Jesus Christ triumphed over death, hell, and the grave. I know that he made a show of him openly. I know that the devil is a defeated foe already. They develop. How else do you do it? You develop, and this is, this is a tough one right here. You ready? They develop Christian character. 
Now, if you don't know me well enough by now, let me just go ahead and tell you, I, I am Pentecostal. And, and I like to shout. And I like to let the Holy Ghost move. And I, I love it to see when God moves on his people. I love all those things. And listen, I, I thank God. I thank God when he touches his people. But can I just tell you something? Many times as Pentecostal people, we get the notion that God is just going to zap everything into us. But God don't zap everything into us. And can I tell you one thing that he will not zap into us, and that is character. Yes, it builds. That's something that he's got to build in us. You, you can't just get zapped with character. You can't get, just get zapped with Christian character. It takes you doing the right thing. Mm. It takes you saying no to the stuff you're supposed to say no to and saying yes to the stuff you're supposed to say yes to. It takes you over and over and over of doing the right thing, of being, I'm not saying perfect, we all mess up, but what I'm telling you is that character, what's really going to hold you in the times of doubt and difficulty and trouble, character is not something that you're just going to come up here today and I'm going to take this bottle of oil and maybe even dump it over your head and lay hands on you're going to fall out and zap character no character is not like that character is something that has to be developed time and time choice after choice moment after moment to, to make up your mind to say you know I know things ain't going really that great right now but I'm going to praise God anyway I know everything's not going my way right now, but he deserves the glory anyway. I know I'm not feeling real great right now, but I'm going to come into church and I'm going to lift my hands anyway. I know right now that I don't got as much money in my bank account as I would like to, but I'm going to go ahead and pay my tithes anyway. I'm preaching now. I know that right now that everything is not looking the way. I'm scared. I'm scared about the stock market. I'm scared about war. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to praise God and I'm going to give Him glory because He's still worthy no matter what. I'm going to wrap this up. Fourthly and finally, we find that Christ defends John. I believe because those who heard of John's doubts might be tempted to misjudge this mighty man of God. Jesus rose to his defense and paid him great tribute. Look at verse 24. I want you to see this. I know we read it already, but I want you to see it again. And, and, and grasp this. Grasp the fact that here we are. John has had doubts. John has sent messengers John's got doubts going on his mind, asking, asking the very Savior of the world, hey, are you really him? Remember this. Now verse 24, Jesus given the answer, his disciples are gone. Now Jesus turns around to the crowd. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury and palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. So, so here it is. Here it is, cousin John. 
the prophesied one, the forerunner of Christ, has doubts, even sends a messenger to ask Jesus, hey, are you really Jesus? And yet Jesus rises to his defense. Listen to your pastor this morning. I'm telling you, you can have doubts and Jesus still loves you. You can question everything. I mean, he was questioning who Jesus even was. I mean, isn't that pretty big there? I mean, he's questioning Jesus. Are you really the Messiah? He is the forerunner. I wish I want you to grasp this. John is a prophesied one. He is the forerunner of Christ. He was prophesied about just like Jesus was by the Old Testament prophets. This is the dude who is ahead of the real dude. And the dude even says, I don't even know anymore if he is who he's supposed to be. And yet Christ still comes to his defense. I need you to hear me today. Do not let your doubts get you to quit. Do not let your doubts think, oh, Jesus is done with me now. I've doubted him. I've wondered. I've wondered if he's even God. I've wondered if God is even real. I've wondered if this whole church thing is even real. I've wondered all this, and I know now that God's got to be mad at me, and he's got to be done with me. Absolutely not. Hear this pastor today. The Lord stood up among all those. Come on now, you know how they were. You know they were whispering, don't you? Can you believe John? Can you believe this was the guy out there baptizing everybody? Can you believe that John sends a messenger and asks, is this really the Messiah? I mean, he baptized him. He's the one that baptized. I saw that dove, the big voice thing. Come on, y'all. Uh, should, should I say that? You know, sometimes even, sometimes even the religious church folks can be mean. And the messengers leave. Jesus knows what they've been whispering about. Jesus knows what they've been talking about. And he's like, all right, what y'all go out there to see? What were you wanting to see? I know y'all been talking about John. That's my cousin. I love my cousin. This is RDL version. I know I'm adding a little bit here. But here, here he's saying, he's taking up for him. So what'd you go out there to see? He's like, y'all want to hear something about John? He said, he's the one that the prophet prophesied about. That said, he's going to come before and say, prepare the way for the Lord. He even went a step further and said, let me just go ahead and tell you this. He said, there ain't been nobody born of woman any better than John. So all y'all John haters can just shut it down. Come on, I believe Jesus will do that. I believe Jesus will do it for Mark. Come on. Come on, he will. I believe that you can have doubts, you can have fears, but listen, I believe Jesus will stand up for you and say, hey, don't you be a Mark hater. I love Mark. That's my Mark. 
Hey, he'll do it for Dale. Hey, Dale may have doubts like all of us. Dale may have times where he questions. But I believe Jesus will stand up in the middle of them and say, Don't y'all be a Dale hater. That's my Dale. He's my Dale. I love him. I, I trust him. He's, he is my man. Come on, somebody. He'll do the same for Robin. He'll do the same for Billy. He'll do the same for Dennis. He'll do the same for this Dennis. I'm telling you that God Almighty will do the very... Don't you ever let the enemy make you think because you have doubted him, because you have had doubt in Christ, that God is just going to turn his back on you and be done. Jesus Christ will stand up in the middle of all your haters and he'll proclaim his love for you even when you've had doubts and fears. And you know what? I don't even really care that much about the haters. You know what I like more than anything? I like more than anything. At this point in time, we know Jesus was still on earth. But we know something was about to happen. He was going to be crucified, buried, three days later, rise again. He's going to be here on earth for just a little while until finally he goes to the Mount of Olives and he ascends up to heaven. And you know what I like more than anything right now? That he ain't just defending me in front of my haters. He is my advocate to the Father right now. That right here and right now, when I have doubts and I have fears and I don't get everything right, he's sitting right there at the right hand of the Father and he's looking over and he's saying, Father, I, I love him. I know he's got doubts and I know he's not perfect, but, but, but I love him. He's my son. I gave my life for him. Come on, somebody hear this preacher here today. I need you to leave this place knowing that you've got an advocate. You've got somebody in Jesus Christ that is looking to the Father right now and saying I love them. I gave my life for them. I am interceding for them. They may have messed up. They may have doubts. But I have not quit on them. So I need you to hear me. Don't you quit on God. Because God has not quit on you. I know that they're coming as they're coming I know that there are people, they're like, what if I've gone too far? Now, I, I can, I've got some stuff, and I could tear off into, you know, what some people say, that the unforgivable sin, blaspheme of the Holy Ghost, and what about that? I've heard, I know that's in the Bible, all that. Let, let me just give you, let me just give it real clear and real easy. All right, you ready? Y'all ready for this? This is deep theology right here. If you care, you haven't gone too far. Because let me tell you about that whole unforgivable sin thing. You read into that, that's being turned over to a reprobate mind. That's where you don't even care. So listen, if you've still got to give a care, it ain't too late for you. If there's still some little something in you that cares and says, I want to I make sure that everything's right with God, you have not gone too far. You have not sinned too much. There is a God in heaven that says, I love them. I want to forgive them. I want to heal them. I want to raise them up. I know they've been through some adverse circumstances. He knew what was going on with John. He knew John was in prison. He knew what was coming for John. He knew John was about to be beheaded. But he loved John. And he cared about John. And he cares about you. Would you stand with me this morning? Every head bowed, every eye closed. I just ask you, I'm not going to take a long time here, but I just last, like to ask everybody to be just still for just a moment because I feel this is a very important moment. I'm going to give this, and I know we're going down to McGee tonight. A lot of us are, and, 
And, and so I'm not going to try to drag nothing out, but I feel that the Holy Spirit is moving right here in this moment. And there's something very important that, that we, can't, we can't leave here without first doing. With nobody moving around, nobody looking, saints, I need you to start praying right now. Just begin to pray. If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I have felt like at times that God has given up on me. But this morning, I feel something on the inside, and the Lord is telling me He hasn't. And I just want to come to God this morning and give Him everything that I've got. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I feel right now that God hasn't given up on me and I want to come to Him right now. If that's you, would you just step out of your seat right now? I'm not, you know me well enough. I'm not going to put a microphone in your mouth. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I feel this is a holy moment right here and right now. If you have felt like God gave up on you, if you felt like you've just done too much and God can't use you and God's done with you, and you say, but right now I feel the Word of God has stirred me and I know that God is not done with me. I want you to just come step out right here. I want to pray with you. Anybody here? Come on, saints of God. Just begin to pray. Just begin to pray right now. Come on. I need some Holy Ghost-filled people to just begin to pray in this holy moment right here and right now. I need you to know this was a great man that had doubts. And every single one of us are going to have doubts at times. But God is not finished. Thank you so much. Come on, anybody else that will be so bold and so honest to say, I have felt like God has given up on me, but this morning I feel that he has not, and I want to come to him. Come on, somebody. I wish you'd just reach over and just touch somebody right now and just pray the Lord would touch them right now. Would you just pray the Lord would just move on them if somebody needs to make a move? if not, Just look at somebody right now and say, do you need for me to go with you up there? Come on. Just say, well, I'll walk with you up there. Do you need me to go with you up there? Thank you. Thank you so much. Come on. Anybody else? Anybody else? Don't let your doubts, don't let the enemy get you today. The Lord is here in this place and He is calling you. He is calling you and saying, I am not done with you. I am not finished with you. I have purpose for you. He's looking at the fathers right now and saying, you see them? You see him? You see her? I love them. They're my children. I've not given up on them. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on, anybody else in this home, in this holy moment right here and right now. You say, hallelujah. 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 Come on, I need some godly men and women to come and begin to pray with these right here and right now. Would you do that? And these altars are open as they begin to sing. These altars are open. Please do not feel inhibited. If you need to come at any time, you step out and you let the Lord touch you. Come on and let's begin to pray. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't The God I know, sir, he only knows how to triumph. My God will never fail. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. Because the God I serve knows only how to triumph.
I've done too much. You've let the devil just beat you down. Listen, I, God sent me here this morning to tell you, you have not gone too far. You have not sinned too much. If there's still a give a care in you, then there's still a Holy Ghost reaching down into you and moving you. Don't you walk out of this building today letting the devil lie to you and make you think that it's over between you and God because he has not stopped loving you. He has not stopped pursuing you. He has not given up on you. He is the Father looking for the prodigal to come home. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs. Oh, yes. I'm going to see. Come on, these altars are open. It's not too late for you. God's not done with you. 